0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
1: Welcome to the Wreck Knee Ball, where the room sure is balanced, but the butter may be a bit too cold. Lots of torn rolls around here at the Barn Burner. This is another episode of In the Can, part of the Barn Burner Podcast Network. We're doing a succession series. This is episode four, Sad Sack Trap. I get into it with KCB and Farmer Barn. But first, let's talk Blue Note Bourbon, a locally distilled Memphis bourbon. It's delicious, it's small batch, be noteworthy Memphis. Now, it's time to jump right into the death pit.
0: Hey, Dad, I didn't know you were coming in. Just making sure
1: you're not selling any more of the company from under me.
0: Who's in charge right
1: now? Me. Phil <laughs> told me where well, some of the bodies were buried. Steer clear of the whole death pit. There's the death pit. He says he's coming tonight. Oh, well, that's a concern with major investors on hand. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> what if he freaks out? What if he falls asleep in a soup? What if he starts shouting racist comments? That's
0: another Saturday night,
1: baby. I
0: see you. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: All right, right now I have to fart and I can't because y'all are on this podcast. Everyone, I'm joined by Kansas City Brett, a.k.a. Player One and Farmer Barn, and we're here again to talk HBO's family drama and dark comedy succession episode by episode. Right now we're on episode four of our award-winning podcast, really. This podcast is getting a lot of love and we appreciate everyone listening. Barn, what's going on, man? How are you?
0: I came in like the wrecking ball. Oh shit! Look out!
1: <laughs> it can't be stopped. The Roy Endowment on.
0: Charity Gala Ball. Oh shit! Let's do this.
1: Are you gonna do interpretive dance like as if you were being supported by the wrecking ball?
0: Uh, I I am actually, yeah. And I'm gonna while I'm doing it, try to be in a frame of mind of what I would imagine Greg to be like when he's just chilling in his house in his undies
1: smoking a J probably thinking about halo 2 a lot i imagine i think he's probably a big halo guy kcb what's up dude how are you good to see you uh i'm just happy
2: to be here with you wasps and not sitting in the basement or out by the dumpster
1: (laughs) glad to hear well today we're talking episode four entitled sad sack wasp trap yet another very difficult phrase to say like "womsgams" a bunch of times this episode is uh, one of those episodes that, upon rewatch, sort of changed the tone as well for me as episode three did. So, quick plot summary: the company's annual foundation gala fundraiser is approaching, uh, the Recney Ball. So, Kendall polishes up his speech while enlisting an on-air personality from Waystar's ATV TV network to accompany him. Meanwhile, Shiv tries to minimize damage from a sordid photo, aka a freaking butthole, that threatens a client's political future. Tom, meanwhile, inherits a virus. A fucking virus It's eating him from the inside from his predecessor in the Parks and Cruises Division and shares a disturbing file with Greg. Meanwhile, Logan makes a mark on his return to office. In addition to Connor's big day as the host of the Regney Ball. A lot of things going on in this episode, but all the plot twists and all of the different threads kind of come together with Regney Ball at the end. Good episode. Let's talk some just general thoughts and musings. I know that uh, Barn kind of has an intro here, so go ahead, Barn.
0: Yeah, for me, I uh especially on second viewing, I feel like Jesse Armstrong and his cast of writers are really making a point to touch on a lot of societal issues, you know, whether it's the Me Too movement, sexual harassment in the workplace, um and, and we can bring up specific examples of that as we get into things later. Or even, man, white privilege and racial inequality ingrained in white charity and what that looks like. Um and and those are things that we can also cite specific examples of and too later on. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting episode. I really feel like they're making and bringing up a lot of important issues, making references to things that are obviously hot topics in our world today.
1: Brett, would you agree with this this social analysis?
2: Yeah, good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> we see we see a little more of it in this episode uh, than we have seen, especially as they talk about the Connor arc. He, he tries to change the uh, focus of the Reckney ball in his car ride with his dad and then while he's at the Reckney ball he uh, tries to have a little heart to heart with one of the uh, the youths who has been supported by his organization over the years and and uh, pretty much scares him off
1: <laughs> yeah that whole interaction is ridiculous and it's so clear he's completely and utterly tone deaf with talking to anyone that isn't a libertarian in the middle of the fucking Nevada desert <laughs> or like a yeah. Or people judge me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: He's like, where are you from? Bushwick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Figures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, you are incredibly racist.
1: <laughs> oh man. That is, that is a, that's a great little scene. He has so many good quotes there too. And we sort of see the beginning of what might be an arc, which is Connor's presidential platform. He's a politician at heart. This guy, this guy <laughs> is constantly spewing out positions and platforms Really he speaks in platforms. Yeah,
0: dude. He's riding that candidate wave. It's like, oh gosh, this is going so bad. I am getting crushed in the polls. And then uh, you know, his dad tells him good job and he's like, I did it, yes. Uh, who can who can forget the infamous um <laughs> in Bonaparte quote?
1: <laughs> gosh, what a loser. Logan's like what the fuck? Like his face is the, hides the utmost contempt the fact that his son quoted in but, <laughs> the fact that he says into. And I love
0: that's what is like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like Marsha immediately is like, okay, yeah, we're leaving. Let's let's get out of here. She's like, on that note, um, we don't need to hang around with you losers
1: anymore. Yeah, well, Connor's in this episode is so he's given control of the rugby ball in a sense that he has to plan it. Otherwise, probably would have been a job that fell to Marsha, right? But she's putting up with Logan and, and rehabilitating him back to health. Real challenging wife, too. Just a real trainer. I mean, you should get get her like get, she should have gotten D Rose back. I think D Rose would be hundred percent if Marsha was on the case. But like she has him walking laps on the you know on, on the with the little bars that support and doing all his PT and, and really knows how to push his buttons the right way, motivationally speaking. And probably sexually, but you know, that's a whole different yeah, conversation. D Rose would be one hundred percent back
2: and full of cortisol or cortisone shots and HGH. <laughs> as she just as she just giggles about him saying, Shoot me up Tee. and the doc, the doctor is like, uh, you know, this is like highly ill advised. I've given three shots and uh, we usually say three a year, and he's like, Shoot me up and she's like, Oh, you're so cute and funny and man. My question do, is is, yeah, that shot, is that shot going like right into
0: his penis because he is pissing an awful lot (laughs) uncontrollably so like the point where something's going on like you probably should get that checked out
1: uh and i also love the like the the waist thing he's got like the corset we're gonna get one of those man you know after i have like a nice mcdonald's meal and i'm feeling kind of bloated i want to go to the bar so hook me up with one of those (laughs) like that's the six-pack imprint I
0: see. I, I think he's doing just fine at the recney until uh, he ends up eating that lasagna that he didn't know they were going to be serving. Yeah. <laughs> that's what ends up. It, it's the gut bomb that ends up causing him to almost fall after his <laughs> uh, "fuck you" to Kindle. So we'll get yeah, into that.
1: You never want surprise lasagna, but but so Connor is he is. That's a chief motto by the way. Ne- never no surprise lasagna. Um, you never know what to expect from connor when he comes into a scene but in this episode he, he has control of a thing he's been put in charge he plans the regney ball sets up the bars hires all the caterers and it turned out to be just a real like real champ at it and in fact it kind of discovers somewhat of a calling that he may not have thought he had what did y'all think of connor's planning and uh, and just his entire the way did he execute to completion or did you feel like there were some plays not made there uh
2: he 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 just hoped that the seating plan holds uh because if it did Look out, Middle East. <laughs> yeah. I'd, have to say, I'd have to say he nailed it, you know? The little tough love back in the kitchen. And uh, as, soon as, he, as soon as he threatened to fire everybody, then the whole thing came together. So it uh, seems to me like he finished strong.
1: Him and Willa, too. Him and Willa orchestrating the room, making sure that the people were spread out, maximizing yeah, the, the space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, Connor is all about just maximi- maximization of space and feng shui. Barn, what do you think about Connor's job, man? Do you feel like he did well or at least something to be desired?
0: Dude, I mean, I would reiterate what KCB said. It's like, come on, he. I feel like if the North Korean summit would have had Connor there, shit, the treaty might have held pat, and and we'd be good to go. Um, but because of his lack of absence, then we still find ourselves in mild muck of shit. So, um, yeah, man, he. Uh, I think once he got the butter problem solved, smooth sailing from there.
1: Agreed, agreed, and uh, I'd honestly I'd watch a gala rescue show starring Connor Roy on TLC. Sign me up, ten episodes, baby. I'll produce that shit. I'm in. Also, <laughs> cold butter, yeah, you can't have that, and and that's certainly the. The the spark to one of the funnier parts of the episode, where Connor goes back in the kitchen and berates everyone, (laughs) and his quote is, "There's dinner rolls ripping out there as we speak. (laughs) I'm a (laughs) laughing (laughs) stock." The fact that someone screams with anger, "There's dinner rolls out there ripping as we speak," in a show now on HBO, a likely Emmy award winning show, makes me quite happy for the existence of TV and serialized TV
2: it makes me wonder how much uh how much Pavlovian training he's received because uh it, as soon as he heard Marsha's knife hit that plate the, a little trigger went off in his brain and he he dashed back to the dining room similar <laughs> to the maid come running when Greg summoned her with the gong it, it sounds like <laughs> they've got a lot of triggers set up in the uh, Roy family They're, they've got their training done well there's some
0: Pavlov shit going on I
2: think yeah
1: no doubt no doubt So that, so Connor's got that going on and but let's, you know, let's roll a little bit into what's going on with Kendall. Uh, you know, he is about to give the speech of the right Knee ball, which is literally like the crown achievement of the Roy family and kind of a passing of the torch, really, from Logan to him. This is like the ultimate I'm CEO now, bitch, and check me out. I'm on the stage and this is me and this is my job. But no sooner had Kendall been back in the office and feeling confident in himself then old man Logan rolls in and and Kendall's reaction to Logan being in the office again, is hilarious. Like you can tell that he's, he has to feign happiness that he's okay enough, like, well, physically enough to be in the office. But like, you can tell in his eyes, he's like, God damn it, man. Like, dad, what are you doing here? Like, it's like, it's like the classic, your dad shows up at like your sports practice or something like when none of the other dads are there and like watches and you're like kind of embarrassed that your dad's there. And also,
2: your dad, who was a pro Hall of Famer, and all the kids are just like, oh, yeah, you know, this kid will never be as good. It's like Michael Jordan's son at any camp ever. Michael Jordan walks in, and they're all like, well, he's not
1: as good as his dad. But <laughs> Yeah, it's a, an even more apt comparison. So there ends up being like a, a who's in charge, kind of a push-pull, like a, a tug-of-war of the power. And it's all done mostly without dialogue and, and mostly through snide, backhanded compliments and comments, which is really the, the beauty of the show is that the dialogue is never – on point. It's usually double layered and with and full of hidden meanings. So I think that Logan has a fear of not being in control and, and and can't handle the idea of his company doing whatever it's doing without him there. What did y'all think of the Kendall Logan push and pull? And are there any highlights you want to highlight?
0: I would start off, dude, with uh, <laughs> how hilarious it was speaking to what you said about his surprise and maybe even dismay that his dad was back so quickly. I think his exact quote is he's like, yeah, I'm going to get myself right and go see the old. And he has like a long pause, great delivery of a line by Kendall Jeremy Strong. And he goes, go see the old
1: fucking goat. (laughs) (laughs) The old fucking goat. (laughs) It's like,
0: uh, yeah, you sound really excited, man. Oh, wait, no, you're utterly terrified and entirely insecure of what this means for your future as interim ceo
1: right and, and logan hates the the uh, the private equity you know idea obviously he told uh, kendall that he was a fucking idiot at the end of our last episode and then there's there's clearly a time jump here i think that kendall goes out to la to oversee some shit out there and he's coming back so um you know finally logan's back in and logan's just still making passive aggressive comments about selling chunks of him like when he prefers the company he's like you sold a piece of me you know and uh, and Stewie shows up. Um our boy Aryan shows up. Our Aryan Moyad shows up and, and they have like a little conference room conversation and Logan walks in and, and like literally calls like Stewie a piece of shit or something to his face, like a, <laughs> a fucking like bloodsucker or something. So there's a lot going on here and, and none of it's being directly said in the dialogue. Brett, I think you were about to say something. Oh no, I'm I'm just reminiscing.
2: The Stewie <laughs> the Stewie interaction is great. Stewie obviously knows how to play that fucking game and you see maybe a little bit that maybe his friendship with we don't know i don't know the friendship with kendall maybe they show it in later episodes maybe it was just him uh entertaining the young calf to get to the old bowl this whole time and uh sitting down at the conference table kendall's got that 30 second walk away he comes back and stewie says you're the boss to uh, old logan so we know exactly what's going on in stewie's mind he's a He's a brilliant, brilliant son of a bitch.
1: He is that. He is that and and certainly does know how to play the game and kind of gives that little you're the boss backhanded like fuck you to, to Kendall knowing full well what that means to Kendall and at the time he said it and clearly is a schmoozer and I, I think there's one line in there where Kendall says like it's Stewie. You've met him like a million times, meaning that I bet Stewie came back home during Christmas breaks and – yeah. You know, summer breaks from college and like hung, stayed at the Roy house and they probably did coke in the basement and like hung out at the swimming pool all day like basically the the plot of the graduate except for it's Stewie and um and Kendall and old Logan rolls in late at night probably drunk as shit at night and like Stewie's like hey I'm Stewie it's nice to meet you again, Mr. Roy <laughs> like I you know if you ever I'd like to do an internship at Waystar Royco and that that'd be fantastic like is there any way you could offer me that like he's the classic suck up buddy I'm sure but so, so Wayne knows was, to play the He game. was Greg before Greg. He was. He was an early Greg just probably couldn't ever get in Shiv's pants, even though i proto sure Greg. Tried, I'm sure he looked at Shiv when she was taking a poop. But uh,
0: <laughs> dude, it was. Does that mean Stewie was
1: sleep with Marcia? <laughs> he, 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 dude, he might. Prince sure. Charming. <sighs> <sighs> um. So you know that's that's going on. Let's talk a little part of that. So. Like they, they're kinda of going through this push pull, Kendall and Logan, and and at one point, like Logan leaves the, the boardroom where Stewie and Kendall are and he says, I gotta take a piss and he just announces it to the room and like stands up and leaves. And at this point, Kendall takes the time to be like, I'm in charge, I promise, I'm in charge. And if you have to say you're in charge, you promise, then you definitely aren't in charge. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's like the classic, like, no dude, I swear I'm cool. It's like, no, you're not. You you never have to say you're cool. The idea of being in charge, being a leader and being cool are intangible things that people sense, but we all know Kendall's definitely a loser and doesn't know how to handle this sort of stuff. Logan leaves and he's clearly fucked up. Like, you know, he can't really walk fully. He's like leaning against the wall the whole time. He, uh, he goes in what we know to be Kendall's office and where the blinds are conveniently already down. Roman might've been in there earlier (laughs) and he, and he like literally walks over next to Kendall's desk and faces the skyline something about the Roy family and fluids leaving their body in the New York skyline. And, uh, and unzips, unzips his pants and takes a pee. And Kendall's secretary sees it, and but she doesn't do anything. It's Mr. Roy. He just goes in the office and he just pisses right on Kendall's floor on his carpet in his office.
0: And like a steady piss too. I mean, for an old man, that is a good strong dream. steady
2: stream came okay. straight out. Yeah, there was no coaxing. Nothing needed. Yeah, yeah,
1: he didn't have to grunt like sounded like he was like fucking deadlifting four hundred pounds yeah. like every old guy I know. Um, shout out to you old guys really don't want to be old but shout 80 out. years old and the pump's still strong
0: whatever vitamins old man roy's taken uh, i want to know because yeah i don't want to have to be coaxing anything when i head to the urinal
1: couldn't see the pea, probably chunky and yellow as we know that that is a historical logan p texture <laughs> uh but uh, all right what do y'all think um do you think logan's barking his territory is a fuck you to Kendall? Do you think it's another sign that he's not fully mentally there and literally kind of just like, you know, blacked out for a second and just thought he was in the restroom like we've seen him do at the beginning of the show, literally the first scene? What do y'all think happened? Ultimately, it's left as a conclusion to the viewer. But what's your personal take, Barn? What do you got?
0: Mm, Man, it's tough for me. I... (laughs) One part of me feels as if it's it speaks more to his like confused, debilitated state, particularly because as he's like walking down the hall, he like suddenly stops and kind of gets this confused look and then just like takes a hard right and veer into Kendall's office. But I would probably go with it's a sign of dominance, particularly over the fact that he had just come from a conversation where, you know, his son is kind of trying to throw his weight around, um, is talking to Stewie, you know, a person that Logan's none too pleased, essentially has as much effective power as he does since he bailed him out. And really, more than anything, it's it's this idea of like, he he basically unzips his pants and flings it on the table and says to Kendall, like, we're going to buy this company. And, and Kendall challenges him on it and is like, you know, are you Dad? Are you sure? Like, that's a good idea. I don't know. Like we should talk about it. That whole him being questioned and all that. And then him saying, I need to take a piss and walking out in my mind more than anything is his way of being like, Hey, I'm going to pee. Oh wait. Kendall just actually questioned my authority. What do you know? His office is right here to the right. And uh, this is as good place as any to just unzip the pants and
1: do my business. Uh, I think he can, he knows he can use it as a, his, his like state as a guise too. like, he can always, if someone goes, if someone did call him out, he could be like, Oh, I don't know what that, that that minute. I just didn't feel right. Like I had to, I thought I was about to fall down. I had to go somewhere. Like, I'm sorry. Like we'll get it cleaner. He knew that he could like use his state as an excuse if he was called out, but I think completely intentional, complete marking his territory and a fuck you to the son who did just question his authority and, and his intelligence on the business that he built. And, uh, and so it's just a classic to me, this is like such a thing that I feel like happened in probably the eighties when he was in his heyday, like guys would just try to bigly each other in true fashion. Like they would do shit like this, like crazy theatrical shit in this world of building your, like your, just your crazy company, your conglomerate. So I feel like he's not, he's pissed on a few things, you know, to establish dominance. Um, not unlike a puppy dog.
0: It feels like a Don Draper move for sure. Straight out of
2: mad men. Sure. Well, you know that the late, great, and Bonaparte pissed wherever he felt like pissing. So <laughs> why wouldn't Logan Roy?
1: That's true. Why why wouldn't El Roy? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, it was a great scene, though. Elroy, Roy, yeah. you, you just changed
2: his character 180 degrees from uh, a <laughs> from, <laughs> from, <laughs> from, uh, big shot Manhattan billionaire to uh, Farmer El Roy.
1: <laughs> that was my intention. Uh, well, well, you haven't seen some of the later episodes. Farmer Elroy Roy actually shows up, so.
2: Oh, he finds
1: himself. Okay.
2: Boiler. That's what, that's why I've been watching succession. I was really open for that turnaround of Logan Roy, just finding himself out in the country. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe at some point snapping his fingers and then just uh, walking out to his farm and sitting down in his front doorway and uh, watching the, the, watching the grass grow.
1: Cause his mission would have been complete at that point. Shouts to Avengers Affinity War. There's a little Marvel reference. We can do everything. HBO, we can do Marvel. We can do really those two things. But otherwise, like, you know, who knows what we can do? Mission right.
2: Impossible. Mission
1: impossible. Yeah. <laughs> into
2: the jungle.
1: <laughs> Shouts to us. We can't be stopped. Also, every, I think everyone listening right now needs to adopt this thing where anytime you have a sequel, you just put a colon and into the jungle after it. So, like, I, I think that's, like, one of my favorite uh, sequel subheadings. And so, season, season two of Succession will be Succession Into the Jungle. Into the Jungle. <laughs> and I it fits. I it was fits. Gonna say, I actually feel like that
0: works. I mean, I'm already picturing in my mind, like, some of the shit that's going to be happening. So
1: Yeah, that's true. All right, let's talk um, Little Roman right now. So, so, in a true fuck you fashion, which Logan seems to be kind of cruising around, taking names, doing what he knows would piss off his kids the most. And brings back Frank, brings him out of the con opens the crypt and Frank comes crawling out, just (laughs) comes crawling out. And then he rolls in and, uh, and he puts, puts Frank back in charge of Roman who Logan knows Roman hates more than life itself. And he like, like makes it very theatrical in a sense that he leaves Frank there in his office. Like Frank's already there. Like it's like, you never, the thing is you never see Frank leave or enter anywhere. He's just there. Like, so, so Roman, Rolls in and Frank's just sitting on his couch and he goes, Hey there, kiddo. Or he says some Frank <laughs> shit. And Roman, as you can tell immediately, his butthole like retracts up to yeah. He's not about that life. Uh, what did y'all think of that kind of twist and, and Logan's treatment of Roman in this regard? Barn, what do you think? The
0: boys are back in town. The
1: boys are back. In- <laughs> banana Cabana. Banana you know? Cabana. Banana Cabana. <laughs> banana Cabana. Banana Cabana. They got like re- call them reggae music playing like on the upbeat guitars. I yep. wish I wish Frank had been
0: wearing like a Tommy Bahama shirt. And was God, like, that would have been super, so perfect. Super tan, drinking out of like a half-sawed-off coconut. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I just got back from vacay. Your dad flew me down to one of his private islands. Um, but yeah, I'm back to babysitting you. So this is going to be as terrible for me as it is for you.
1: The, 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 the Tommy Bahama shirt would have been a nice touch. Should yeah. put you in charge of casting, man. All right, here's what you do. Next season, you do casting. And you do you do hair and makeup and uh, clothing, and you write all Greg's dialogue. Those are your three duties. That's it. I literally would quit my job tomorrow. Don't you? Take- <laughs> Just Greg's dialogue, though. I mean, hey, you can do the whole show. I'll let you write an episode. I'm a benevolent producer. <laughs> okay, uh, Brent, what do you think? What do you think of a Roman and Frank? Rome cannot construct a sentence at that point, which is
2: awesome because he is just so full of quips and one-liners in all the previous episodes. And seeing Frank, uh, as you said, his bubble puckered a little bit. And as we all know, Roman thinks with his butthole. So uh, if (laughs) once once that's obstructed, he's done for.
1: Yeah, that's there's once he can't breathe through the butthole, it's uh it's all done for. It's all done for. He goes down. I didn't think about that. He it is true. It is the first time we see Roman truly speechless and unable to like concoct a smart ass comment. It's like Frank's is fucking kryptonite for sure. (laughs) This this lame old guy somehow foils this young funny like guy. Like and it's just a funny dichotomy between the two of them. What does, really Rome, does.
0: what does Rome say? He's like, uh, the weasel prevails. It would be a good name for your autobiography if they did books for jerks. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah all of his clips would just fall flat. They're like, not funny. They purposely have him try, but he just can't do it. That Feel is like,
0: straight George Costanza, dude. Like, hey, and uh, the jerk store called and and they're running out of you. <laughs> Wait.
1: What? No. He does Costanza for sure. Uh, let's talk Shiv's arc too. So Shiv's got a problem, and the problem is more butthole. And so her, her, her—I her, her, guess her political candidate, the the politician she works for, who's theoretically a presidential candidate, her husband posts a picture of his butthole online. Which, <laughs> which I laugh as I say that. Guys don't really understand why he did that. <laughs> like. And, and make, doesn't it have like, a
0: caption it. that says, like, look at my asshole or something?
1: <laughs> I hope so. If I post a picture of my butthole, I'd make the cat. I wouldn't hide the ball, man. You know, i just <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> but-
2: oh,
1: yeah. Shiv is not
0: pleased with having to take a red eye home.
1: That was good. Yeah. Uh yeah, so we see a picture of the butthole too. They give us a nice little glimpse on Roman's phone for about like one frame. I paused it. Uh I, I wonder where the butthole came from, if it was just like a getty butthole image or like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what I wanna know the origin of this butthole. I, 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 fake jizz in this butthole. Like uh HBO, hook me up, man. Dude, that's great how you work mysteries.
0: Out, that's how you work your way up in HBO, man. You start out as uh not just an extra, but an extra, 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 flashing your butthole for a second, and then like Four years pass and you're fucking on Game of Thrones.
2: So, yep. hey that intern, is, you got a pretty butthole. Yeah. Come over here for a second, oh, Greg. I, I like to think that it's a pretty nice butthole. I don't spend a lot of time looking at it, but I've been told.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adria probably definitely has a death pit. I think if, if, if shows <laughs> like this or any indication they've they've got some documents that are hiding certain things. <laughs> uh, and speaking of which transition to Greg and Tom's arc, which it starts to, th- this is one of those episodes that starts to get to the point where their arc just kind of like dominates the episode, even though like mm-hmm. Kendall and Logan supposed to be what we care about. Man, I, the, the Greg and Tom arc in this episode is just like really fucking funny and kind of a, a microcosm of their relationship overall. And also features some fantastic acting. Who of the two of you want to take me through with the death pit? I feel like, I feel like one of you can do a really good job. And I'm not going to point to anyone
2: oh dude yeah okay. uh, well we need the intro well, yeah. You know, let's go ahead and do that category now. Our barn we need the intro give it to me greg
0: and tom <laughs> greg and tom getting viruses in the death pit okay. <laughs> there it is good um yeah man i when you said we need the intro for a split second i thought you were talking about when greg when tom looks out and sees greg and he's like <laughs>
2: <laughs> fucker <laughs> Greg is just looming 4 feet over everyone else's head across oh the office just staring Waited at his him. at his doorway.
0: <laughs> he likes casually like fucking, He's tall,
2: dude. He's so tall.
0: <laughs> and then and then Tom after he's like fucker and is like turning away is like on second thought mm-hmm. if I've got a deadly virus I should share it and infect Greg.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh,
2: well, hold on guys. I do want to announce that on Tuesday the CDC announced that the number of newly diagnosed cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis reached a record high in 2017. Speaking of spreading the virus.
0: <laughs> the segues, man. the segues.
2: Well, I was casting around for a reason why Rome would not want his girl to touch him in the bathroom. And why he would use the phone to pleasure her. Obviously, he's been keeping up on the news and he doesn't he can't he's he's the chief operating officer. He can't stand to be taken down by a a disease at this point.
0: Or or has he been freaking taking some Waystar Parks cruises? Huh? Huh?
2: Yeah, he's their guy. He's their guy that's been taking care of uh, all those people down there in the Bahamas.
1: He's been getting the blowies and recommend and rating all the, uh, yeah. the, 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 cruise attendants on their skills. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. would be the name of his autobiography. If they <laughs> wrote those for people, idiots, dumb faces,
0: <laughs> yeah. dude, that's that suck
1: scene, That scene though.
0: I mean, between the two of them, like how, how many times do you think, it took for them to film that where someone <laughs> didn't break and just start bursting into crazy
1: laughs. I the mean, Greg, are you talking Greg and Tom right now? Greg and Tom discussing the death pit. pit, the death pit. Well, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about how we get there too. So like Greg's boss is I'm sorry, Tom's boss is retiring and he's like just a sold white guy. And like he's getting he's having the last day like cake Bill. Yeah, our boy Bill. <laughs> and all the people are shaking his hand saying like oh so so happy you know you get to finally enjoy the rest of your life like go fucking sit on a yacht or build like a wooden ship or like you know do puzzles or whatever go to yankees games for the rest of your life for all care, bill bill had
2: a perfect five five ratio i mean they're losing that they're losing that perfect five five
1: what are they going to do now
0: <laughs> did, did, remember what tom says about bill
1: it's like if Mandela fucked Santa. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I thought he said if Adele fucked Santa. I thought it was Adele too, but
2: oh, Mandela, Mandela
1: too. Yeah, yeah, both <laughs> those work. Yeah, I thought he said Adele fucked. Uh, yeah, I have that in there. Mandela's um, the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill's just a fucking OG, and uh, but but I love I love Tom's like man, he's a fucking asshole. Like, I'm glad he's fucking finally. out Then he walks up, he goes, Bill. <laughs> I hope to live up to you, sir. You're such a fucking, just a graceful presence in his office. He's such a suck-up. <laughs> Bill calls Tom just like super ominously in this office. And he starts taking a laptop out of the place. and he's, <laughs> he's like, all right, oh, I've cut off the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. <laughs> this, this one's like cut off airdropped or something or air gapped. It's or air something. gapped. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he's just delivering all this stuff. Like calm he opens it. And Tom's trying to figure out like what the tone is. In the Someone's room, you know? been
2: watching a few too many spy movies in retirement. <laughs> he just like,
1: uh, yeah, no, maybe. For real. Yeah, yeah. He goes, maybe. <laughs> <But there's- laughs> <laughs> that awkward uh, that awkward pause there is just what makes the session so funny. And we figure out that uh, that uh, Parks and Cruises has a little bit of a problem in the form of rampant sexual harassment and rape and murder on their cruise lines. And, uh, oh, the, the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's like, it sounds bad. Yeah, it is fucking bad, Greg. <laughs> he's like, uh, Bill's like, I can tell you and then you'll know and then it'll be okay. <laughs> or I cannot tell you, and then you won't know, and it'll also be okay. So really, either way, it'll be okay. <laughs> and you can see the, the, just the the happiness of his big day is just draining from Tom's face. <laughs> Tom ties the
0: ways over, and he's just like, what did I get myself into? I have literally been sabotaged and placed into this position of authority so that when shit hits the fan and this becomes a public nightmare fiasco, I'm going to be the fall guy.
1: I like, I like the they cut to the scene too in the middle of the night where Tom's just like sweaty as shit, like tied, oh. taken down, like collar buttoned down. He's on the floor with documents behind spread out behind his like desk. Them all. Yeah, <laughs> full like, on paranoia mode. It, it's, I mean, you just know there's like, there's like fifty execs that have watched this show that saw that and like were reminded of a night in their office doing the same thing. You know, like it, it just had so so much hilarity and realness to it. Yeah, it was like it was such a funny moment, and then he's in this catch twenty two man like. He's obligated, he has a fiduciary duty to tell people in the company about this fucking rampant horribleness. But if he does, then he's essentially ruined his entire career because technically he's the superior of this division. So what does he do? And certainly he has a virus at this point. Now, take us through the Greg and Tom interaction. Yeah,
0: man. Uh, It's so good. I mean, (laughs) the two of them and just the way they play off of one another. Greg, it's like, he's this like innocent childlike figure as we've already laughed about and alluded to, you know, Um, Tom's like, it's, it's a virus. And he's like, it sounds bad. And he's like, yeah, it is bad. And um, he hands over the folder to Greg, you know, and Greg opens it up and starts reading. And I love this. He looks at it and he's like, It's complicated. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Uh, yeah, usually um, murder and rape and uh, many other myriad acts of horrible atrocities that your company's committed are more than just complicated, Greg. I think they're more like business and enterprise enders, bro. Um, But, man, it's just so good the way they play off of each other. And um, I said it earlier, I mean – I just can't even begin to fathom how hard it must have been for them not to laugh. I mean, Matthew McFadden is ridiculously funny. And the way yeah, he's pronouncing yeah. things, like, he's got kind of like a crazed look in his eyes. Yeah. He's, like, spinning around. It's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, he, he has this really good job of doing, like, he, he's basically like a fucking cartoon character, really. Like, he, like, he's seemingly the most unrealistic personality. Like, how would a person like this even exist? but he's able to do it in a way that makes sense. And then he's able to be serious. He's able to somehow make you sympathize for him, even though he's a piece of shit. And he's able to go from like, masochistic torture to like, Hey Greg, I actually like you. I mean, he really does pull off a lot of different things and make you really somehow empathize with the crazy character of Tom, but fantastic scene. And the greatest line delivery in it to me is Greg. When like, he's like, you gotta come to the death pit. And he's Greg, just like, earnestly as he delivers every line says well, what we would all be thinking but Greg just of course says it he goes I, I don't think uh, I don't think I'd like it in the death pit <laughs> like, like what, what, what an amazing line and he, and he goes Greg he's like I don't care Greg you got it Greg the way he says Greg's even his name he says how, it with such disdain how, and how, like,
0: how forcefully he says your family
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he says, drops thanks. He and he
0: says
2: like, thanks and grabs the folder Greg's like all in at that point he just <laughs>
1: That's all it takes, you know. Like (laughs) Tom reads Greg into the company's darkest scandal, and now essentially blots the show's purest character. Right? Like this was, like he was literally the the shining knight, probably the one, like the only fucking non sociopath. So (laughs) you know, it's it's wild to see that's all it takes because this is the acceptance that he had long wanted. You know, he wanted to finally be included in the family's prestige and power but uh, you know rather than be a brat he's just kind of peer pressured into it as as tom often does to greg so great scene and great arc that okay. part even comes soon after
2: when when greg introduces himself to bill and he starts to say i'm actually <laughs> in the family and tom just cuts him off immediately says he doesn't it. care about your history or your life history good point so he uh he, he completely denies him 10 minutes earlier and then when he needs him he knows exactly what trigger to pull like you said
1: very true very true all right, let's move to the Regney ball. So everything's in full swing. All the players are there, and uh, and we figure out that Kendall's going to give his speech and essentially announce himself as CEO. And uh, and Logan gets wind of this, and by Connor seeing the teleprompter and then goes and lets his dad know, not intentionally, of course. Connor does all of this completely like oblivious to like everyone's feelings, but Logan uh, Logan decides to change up the programming a little bit. So. Was the teleprompter changed? If so, by who, or was it merely a reference to Kendall's pre-planned joke? What What do you think, Barn?
0: Man, I think someone changed it. I really do. I mean, I, I maybe I'm giving her too much credit. You know, I'm. I feel like I'm fully on board that uh, Marcia, aka Geppetto is pulling the strings behind the scenes, and it just Dang. it just feels like she has manipulated this. Or hell, what if? How about this? What if the women have teamed up together and Marsha and Jerry freaking are in cahoots. And Jerry changed the teleprompter only after Marsha asked her to. Huh?
1: Huh? Huh?
0: Huh?
1: Wow. That's some insert Twilight music, music, you know, because, uh, that is uh that is a conspiracy level shit there. Can you
0: Weak. put Twilight music in after I do the huh? huh,
1: huh, huh? Yeah. yeah. I'll leave the huh. huh okay, in there. Perfect. That's good radio. Yeah. We need conspiracies
2: at this point, though, and especially I'm gonna I'm gonna say this one more time. This was the uh, last episode I've seen so far, so the next episode will be brand new for me for our next pod. But uh, I I feel like we're in uncharted waters. As soon as that appeared on the teleprompter, the game changed. It became murder mystery dinner. Who who put it in there? Does Connor know? Uh, why is he being a little fucking rat and running straight to their dad? He's the oldest child. Why is he acting like a uh, like the youngest little baby? I mean, it's just. What's going on
1: here? Yeah, this turned into Gosford Park, no doubt, um, which I, you know, I think loosely the sequel, Gosford Park 2, is Succession Episode 4. Um, into, let's the into the Jungle. Into the Jungle. Good reference. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit more about what's going on, too, in the, the party. So we have Jerry has a conversation with Tom and says, like, the Sin Cake Eater, like, basically says, Hey, I hear you're thinking about calling a press conference to, like, let everyone know about all this fucking crazy corporate espionage and he's like yeah you know i like to get out in front of it she basically tells him to eat hold on hold it. on we have to recognize this he says how did you know
2: and she delivers right. one of the best lines of the series so <laughs> oh far
1: which that's is like such good. a i want to use that right <laughs> like that that's like something you that if you ever if one of your friends ever calls you out for like some shit that they told you and someone <laughs> else that is an amazing line
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> go ahead deliver it deliver it chief i don't know this is you man this is you
2: uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it. Nobody does it like Terry, but he says
1: Tom, it's tough to have to tell you like this, but I'm in a sexual relationship with your mother. She talks in her sleep. <laughs> then just walk off. Just he had to walk walk off. Tom just like they, they do a close up on Tom. He's like, A lot of good Tom reaction shots here. A lot of good like character delivers line, walks off, hold on Tom for four seconds, let McFadden just fucking Jack threes and ace of all, like he's he's amazing in this episode, and um it certainly is is going to be a winner of one of my categories. But the, and then immediately Tom's fucking pissed at Greg because Greg's the only guy he told, so it had to come from Greg. Question: Did did Greg tell Jerry? And is he the one that's gotten the secret out, or who who else could have told Jerry? Tom tells Shiv. He tries to explain to Shiv that that there's zombies that are trying to kill him and not the kind of zombies that are slow the kind of really fast zombies yeah. and he uses a very terrible and amorphous and very convoluted analogy to tell Shiv but she knows something's up what do y'all think did Greg spill the beans I mean we we have to believe it based on the end of the episode at the, at the end of the ball
2: where uh, Jerry walks up to Greg and says keep talking kid and he smiles to himself but but even if that's a, a misdirect Shiv was she was not listening to Tom, man. She was just thinking about that guy's butthole the entire conversation. So I don't know if she even knows. I don't know if she's registered anything. Probably yeah, not.
0: Dude, and Greg doesn't just smile, he delivers yeah. great- <laughs> it, it feels like it's straight out of like a John Wayne Western. I <laughs> I uh, aim to please, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he needs to be in cowboy boots and have like a fucking Stetson on his head when he
2: says that. Yeah, he's he, a tall yeah. drink of water, that's he,
1: for sure. He puts a uh, uh, bad Bart in like the jail and like <laughs> and, and, and walks out of the saloon and puts his thumbs in his belt and delivers that line. It might as well have been that. I uh, aim to please, man.
0: Yeah, man. Greg, I've said it for weeks, guys. I don't know if you believe me, but. Greg is no dummy. He is always watching. No, seriously. It's
2: like... Secret Sith.
0: The the crazy thing is, Greg is in the unique position, unlike pretty much all of the other main characters, in that he's low enough on the ground, he's still low-level enough. Hold on. You're talking about the tallest guy in the series? (laughs) (laughs) Not literally. Oh, okay. (laughs) Figuratively. He's still low enough in the company. Example being... You know, when he tells Tom, hey, did you you hear Logan's back? And Tom doesn't even know, and he fakes his way through it. But it's like, wait, what? He, he heard before Tom did, because he's low enough in the company that he he catches all the scuttle. He's hanging out with the lowlifes. He hears the gossip. And yet, because of his last name, he's also subject to and in on the The rumors of the Roy family. So he's in between these two worlds, and man, I think I think he's gonna be able to make a lot of moves off of it.
2: He knows about leverage.
1: Yep, I uh, a great great Greg analysis, and we start to see a little more of this guy. There's more to him than meets the eye. Secret Sith might be apt. Stop stop maxing his credit cards out. Stop <laughs> staying at the <laughs> hostel, and, uh, and 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 buy a double bladed lightsaber, and then start shooting force lightning, and then we're fucking talking. <laughs> did you guys catch him? sniffing the old woman next to him during the
2: ballet (laughs) performance. I I mean, it wasn't hidden,
1: but... (laughs) Right, right. It was like very, very subtle. And I feel like it was like, uh, just like, uh, just had to have been like a little character, like thing he did. Like, it, I, I didn't notice it. Yeah. <laughs> he just leans over and sniffs the old lady next to him for no reason. <laughs> I couldn't tell maybe she showed herself or what like, well, I can't really like, the origin of it I, was. It but. was, I, I went back and I listened to see if
2: Tom mentioned, cause he says maybe you'll, uh, become a pet for one of these women and live in Westchester. And oh, I went right. back to see if he said something about like, something about how they smell or just literally anything to give a reason for why Greg is sniffing this this old lady next to him. But I guess if they, if he can, if he's fine with her smell. Yeah. That seemed uh, Tom planted a seed in his mind. You don't know how much he was working it at the table after he, uh, after he gets called a lump of fucking turducken by Tom. <laughs> Maybe Greg decided to change his plans and uh, actually shack up with one of the rich old ladies.
1: Alright, so Lomba fucking Turducken really reminded me of another one of my favorite things in the world. That's the Big Lebowski when the Jeff Lebowski, the Big Lebowski, is being confronted by the dude at the end of the movie and the dude struggles to call him one of the worst things he can think of and he goes, you fucking human, fucking human paraquat. And <laughs> he goes, like, the the, the, the the Turducken was like, to me, the most outrageous possible noun you could have <laughs> used. <laughs> Very akin to Paraquat. So shouts to the dude. Shouts to Jeff Bridges and the Cohen brothers. Um, Worked y'all in here somehow. Let me and talk about it. yeah. They're listening. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, they're, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so my, one of my favorite moments of the episode before we get in kind of the culmination is like the once Kendall figures out that Logan's going to speak and likely just fucking usurp all the power. Kendall's like freaking out to Jerry. And he's like, when he opens his mouth, anything could come out. Uh, drool, anti-Semitism fucking string of silk handkerchiefs tied together. Every time he delivers that line, like it, it's, it's so funny. Cause like he, he delivers everything so seriously, but some things he says are really funny. Like <laughs> yeah. he, he's clearly like he's witty, but he just does it in a mean way. Like a, everything he says is so like sincere and serious. Like he doesn't do it in a quippy way. Like, uh, like Roman does, but you know, Kendall makes a lot of funny, unintentionally comments. funny. Yeah. 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 Like, and, and exactly. And well,
0: and, and let's talk about Kendall here for a second. Cause I feel like this episode as a viewer, the writers are trying to get you to kind of maybe change your tune or course of thinking on Kendall and being like, damn, he's actually, he seems like a pretty good guy, you know? Um, I mean the whole
1: terrible date though, this guy cannot talk <laughs> to a
0: woman. <laughs> I would agree with that. But yeah, I mean the whole taking the anchor and, I mean, he does seem genuinely disgusted over the fact that, you know, one of the execs and her boss not only told her that she had to go since Kendall asked about her gone, but that, you know, she had to make sure, quote, he had a good time. Um, so I feel like in this episode, there's a couple different moments where you find yourself being like, okay, they've they've set us up these first three episodes to think of Kendall as this, like, kind of frat boy, immature dipshit and then in this one it feels like there's more depth and substance to him and more than that of the Roy children it's like he seems to have you know some morality inside of him and and some
1: cognizance of right and wrong I don't know what do you guys think Brett uh you're the official why I bring you on this podcast is because I deem you the official on what's right and wrong in terms of cognitive thinking Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like you can officially declare things akin to the Pope. So give me whether or not he's right or wrong here.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't even, it's obvious that it's so obvious. I don't even know why you need me to say it. This is such a black and white situation.
1: Uh, But um, what were we talking about? (laughs) So we're talking about um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi and what the backlash is on, and if the fans really have any. Yeah, ground yeah,
2: up. no, okay, okay, okay. I'm back on point now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't get why Logan uh, yells at Rome for the parks or for the nights number of nights being down in 2017. Wouldn't that be Logan and Frank's fault? For running the company into the ground, and here he is trying to take it on a Roman.
1: Yeah, certainly fucked up. I mean, and that's it, what we're talking about, right? Yeah, definitely. That's exactly the perfect segue that we needed. Uh, I think that uh, just, just, just hang out. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh,
2: yeah. Okay. Well, I'm on my soapbox. So uh, when Tom is explaining to Shiv the Death Pit, you can clearly see two books sitting on the desk. One is the Cool Factor. And the other is in the company of women. Uh, a little research tells us that the cool factor is a guide to achieving effortless style with secrets from the women who have it. So my question is, were those Tom's books or Shiv's?
0: Is, are you like, is this serious? Is that? Yeah,
2: those books are actually sitting on the desk while, <laughs> while Tom's trying to, uh, to get Shiv to uh, rescue him from the death pit.
1: Well, Okay, so I think that yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Shizwick, and I would say the, In the Company of Women is a, a a book in response to a movie and a play that came out in the right. 90s called The Company of Men, which is about rampant sexism in the workplace. And the, the movie features two men that take out a blind or a deaf woman and seduce her because they're tired of being dumped by women. And they both take her out at the same time and then plan to dump her at the same time to ruin her life. And like it's just like, a it's a Really, it's a messed up movie, but like very good. Aaron Eckhart, fantastic Eckhart performance. Uh, so so yeah.
0: I'll, hedge, I'll hedge and say I agree with Chief. That's Shiv's book, How to Be Cool. That's Tom's book. And I think that he is earmarking <laughs> certain pages because he's eventually going to hand it down to Greg. <laughs> he
1: has oh, what this a weird legacy gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick up, man. I would not have looked at the books on the coffee table. So I'm glad that you did. The people on Reddit will be will be thankful for that. Somebody has to do it.
0: (laughs) This is. I feel like we're getting into like lost territory, man. We're
1: catching shit in the.
2: It's all about the numbers. It's (laughs) all about the numbers. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Four, seven, twenty-three, (laughs) forty-two. I
2: I think Hurley was actually the barista uh, in the scene where we first met Stewie. Hurley was definitely serving uh, man,
1: coffee. You're, you're cut off. You're cut off right now. <laughs> oh. I can't, I cannot abide a, a, well, a polar bear. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so at the end of the, the ball, Logan gives us <laughs> not in passion because he's, he barely has any energy to actually physically get up there and speak, but he gives the Michael Jordan. I'm back in like verbal form. Like he essentially puts out a news article. says, I'm back. He says, I'm back completely. Jordan's um, the rest of the league, AKA Kendall. And and then was probably going to win three more titles and fuck over the the '90s Suns and the '90s Jazz. So fuck Damn. you, Pat, or uh, yeah, fuck you, um, Malone and, and Barkley. Yeah, and Stockton, you guys aren't getting shit. AKA Kendall. So for you '90s pick- fans, classic reference by me just then. Shouts to Very it. Very classic. Me.
2: Yeah. For our millennial fans, I'm going to compare it to the D Rose. I'm back commercial, and Logan is not going to come back and win all the
1: rings for the Bulls. Mm. And <laughs> you don't know, you do not know, don't know. what happens. I don't. Wow. Well, so that is. I do is. know
2: that Logan is not coming back from minor league baseball slash the White Sox
1: either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. confirmed. That's a fact. That's a fact. Confirmed. Ten out of ten, confirmed. So that's the end of the episode. Uh and we're, you know, Kendall's left with another another gut punch after the other previous gut punch at the end of the last episode, when he was told he was an idiot by his dad. His dad just keeps pulling the power back and leaving Kendall left for dead. So how did y'all feel? You know, were, were, were you, were you at this point on Kendall's side or what was the, what was the emotions leaving at the end of the fourth episode?
2: Whoever put that line in the teleprompter, their plan worked completely. Yeah, man, I would say like battle lines have
0: been firmly drawn in the sand. I would argue this is the farthest apart Kendall and his dad have ever been. And it's now an all out war time to go to war.
1: All right, it's time for our favorite moment in every podcast, and that is to discuss the Roy family's favorite bourbon, Blue Note bourbon. It is a premium small batch of bourbon distilled in Memphis. The second batch is actually currently out. It just got shipped out. It's in local liquor stores right now, and it's delicious. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good, smooth drink for any of you whiskey drinkers out there, and it's local too, so support a local Memphis brand. Be noteworthy, it's- Memphis.
2: It, it's delicious, and the Roy's chose to serve it at the Reckney this year. However, those pretentious bartenders ruined it by adding pesto
1: to the <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> the signature cocktail is all fucked up. Oh, <laughs> man. Categories. Categories! Categories! Woo! Who gets the most buckets in this episode? Our category for best acted. I go Tom, man. Tom has a hell of an episode. This is his episode from start to finish. Uh, it's a deadly virus. And uh, <laughs> and now, <laughs> now, now I'm fucked <laughs> forever. It sounds bad. It is bad. It is. And uh, I kind of need to share it, but anyone I talk to, uh,
0: anyone I talk to, I effectively kill. That's the death pit, Greg. Take a look. I, I mean, I feel like I might not like it in the death pit. Go ahead.
1: Your family. Thank you. Matthew McFadden just grabs hold of it and doesn't ever let go. Every single scene he's in is either hilarious or filled with emotional pathos. Every minute you see him talk to anyone else, it's clear the weight of the world is weighing on this man's shoulders. He knows his career is either over or his personal life or both. And we've all been there. when We're hit with some knowledge. You know, maybe not, hopefully not this dour, but something that just weighs on you to that degree. And every interaction you have while you know that stuff is different and, and sadder. And like every comment is made is a little bit different. So. I, uh, I I got to give it to Tom. The, the best part, I think, is the last like 30 seconds of the episode, we flash around to everyone leaving the red ball and we see everyone in their own like little cars and Shiv's like kind of, you know, about to fall asleep or on her phone or just kind of quiet. And then Tom's just like looking out the window and they mount a camera on the outside of the window and give us a nice like eight seconds of Tom just looking out the window and just oh, man, just put that give just put that just go ahead and cut that out and put it on the Emmy campaign. Give this man an Emmy. That, that's on, that's yes. on the highlights. That right there is that juxtaposed with the with the death pit scene, juxtaposed with him frantically on the floor. He's always sweating a little bit in this episode. Tour de force. With the theme song now.
2: from House of Cards playing in the background. Uh, yeah, you just can't beat that.
1: <laughs> Too soon, dude.
0: What about, what about when uh, Tom tries to tell Kendall about... <laughs> the cruise controversy and you yes know, Kendall has the great line about yeah my dad loved all of his employees but he really loved the ones that ate the shit for him and he never <laughs> even knew yeah. it basically like do not tell me I do not want to know Tom it's on you you got to eat this shit that is a that was a very Logan and line
1: Tom's like,
2: response
1: yeah that's right I I goes, uh, okay I'll just go get some Hollandaise yeah. and
2: uh, uh, I'll, I'll grab my <laughs> knife and fork and some Hollandaise.
1: <laughs> By this point, like Kendall stop listening like yeah. five seconds before that. Yeah, that's that is good. Who uh, who's y'all's pick for most buckets?
0: Oh uh, man, I gotta go with my girl J Smith Cameron. Jerry. It is freaking my goal to get Jerry to come on this show. She's so good. She is so good. No, man. Her she we've already talked about it. She delivers some of the best lines in the episode she reaffirms the fact that she's a strong woman surrounded mm-hmm. by a bunch of dipshit men <laughs> um and yeah man she just she, she shows that she's powerful um I, I still I'm doubling down on my little theory that maybe her and Marsha are working together and uh yeah I gotta go with Jerry she's great
1: good pick KCB who you got That's it. yeah uh
2: tom i'm gonna just throw my throw my flag behind tom it's very obviously a big episode for tom and he he does it well he plays the manic paranoid uh extremely well um and yet still has his opportunities to fuck with greg (laughs) mr bond um and uh yeah just just pretty much drives the episode he he does a fantastic job matthew mcfaden
1: The Mr. Bond. Oh, dude. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, Yeah. Honestly, everything I say now is just going to be like hyperbole about how good he is in this episode. Like, anytime I talk about Heath Ledger as the Joker, it's the same way. It's just something that you can't speak enough positively about him. But do love one Jerry moment where they're all in the like, first of all, Kendall touches the piss to confirm whether it's piss in his office. And, uh, and Jerry's oh, like, man, that makes me so mad. He smells
2: it when he walks in. Why does he need to stick his finger in it? He knows what it is. Yeah, What's I, I, going on?
1: It's just a, a confirm, dude. He's just trying oh, to confirm. He's not trying to jump on Reddit and make accusations before he fucking knows, you know? Say, so we know he's a kinesthetic learner. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that comes from
2: Logan beating him so often as a little kid. He, yeah, uh, he, he kinesthetically took he, all those he punches. He takes so lessons in <laughs> through physical. Uh through physicality, I'm
1: a 40 year old Scottish guy
2: who's probably stronger than he looks. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, hurling, so. hurling uh, timber lines just uh, <laughs> out, out in the yard.
1: Uh, but I love when like Jerry's like, "Are we sure it was him?" And, and Kendall does oh, great. No, Kendall stop, line. stop,
2: stop, stop! Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! You cut me off when I uh, almost stole your quote. So I'm cutting you oh,
1: off. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What is he about to like take a piss on the camera right now?" Yeah. How, what? Is this was, like performance art? It's just or shit what? on the iPad. That's what I'm about to do.
0: <laughs> I was thinking he could no longer hold that fart in. It had literally. <laughs> come out.
2: There's like five bathrooms in this place.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? All right, all right, all right. Power play. Let's do power play now. It indicates a particular mover shaker moment where someone does something big in the jockeying for power brett who you got
2: i think it's big uh not because it leads to a shift positively for this person but i think it's a big moment uh this episode a couple times connor tries to insert himself as a leader uh you know he he says i'm not afraid to handle the ball and uh he's really happy to be taken over and, and and he'd like to take over a little bit more of the philanthropic um and he lets his dad know that you know, comparable to, and Bonaparte, he's a natural born leader and thrives on stress. And I think it completely solidifies for Logan that Connor is and never has been an option as a successor of any sort. Uh, so that's the power play. It's kind of a reverse power play where uh, Connor pretty much kicks himself in the nuts. If he still has them, I don't know if it's organic to, to have nuts. Uh, so, <laughs>
1: yeah well the nuts do believe in the first and second amendment so i'm sure he's pro nuts but they can the testosterone can lead to poor choices
2: you know as as a worldly man such as himself <laughs> he doesn't want to think uh anything but logically so that's
1: true uh tama who you got
0: uh i'll go um i'm gonna go obvious choice i'll go logan but i won't go with logan for the MJ, I'm back. Speech. I'm gonna actually go with Logan over when um, Rome comes up to him and is basically bitching about Frank being back over him, lording over him, and you know, you kind of get suckered into feeling like he may be in this really debilitated state, but then he so brilliantly questions Roman on why you know rooms and the, and monies from people the money from people renting rooms is down for the parks. And asking why Roman doesn't have an explanation of that, Roman tries to throw it off on Tom, but it, it's such a strong, just power move by Logan of saying like, "You're an idiot. You shouldn't even be in this position in the first place. You know nothing about the first thing about being COO." And he even says, "You know, you need to soak up Frank's experience." And Roman's like, "But what does that mean? What he does says, that mean?" <laughs> It means do
1: what he fucking tells ya. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking roast him right there. Oh, man. It's, yeah. It's he, he, uh, he, you never know. He's like half there, and then sometimes he's like clearly addled, and other times he's very much with it. So it's a fascinating kind of way to watch that character because you don't know what's going on. Um, my pick is Greg, man. Greg makes a huge move here. We start to see more and more about this character and how he's like fully aware of the world around him. He understands that the best thing to do is keep Tom fucking quiet and not blow up the company or the family or his in because he knows Tom's his lifeline to the company. Mm-hmm. Tom gets fired like Greg's just a random guy who half watched the introduction videos with the headphones out <laughs> and his ass is getting canned in about three seconds. So he, he, you know, he definitely needed to keep Tom around. And the best way to do that was to keep everything quiet. And we start to see more and more about what happens between them as the show goes on. So, shouts to Greg. Shouts to Nicholas Braun. Hope he ends up taking home that widow and having a great night. Hopefully, he doesn't need the purple pill. Shouts to Viagra.
0: <laughs> I feel, Chief, I feel like you're really trying to get Viagra to be our next sponsor.
1: It's in the works, let me just say. Uh, no, it's not. But, but what if it was? To would be awesome. Uh, okay, so... Six man slash woman award makes the most of their limited screen time. Who do you got for the six man slash woman award person that gets the ball? 10 points, 10 minutes.
0: Whew, um, That's a tough one, man. I'd probably go Shiv. I really feel like, um, Shiv. I mean that, that scene she has with one of the execs over whether or not they're going to be the one to run the picture, um, is pretty awesome. And it's a great back and forth between the two of them. And, uh, you know, Shiv's basically like, are you really essentially, she's saying, are you going to stoop to this level to show on air someone's butthole or a picture of someone's butthole? <laughs> um, and the exec fires back to her and is basically like, you know, well, the only way you're even able to say something like this to me is because your names on the door, you know, are engraved in the door. Um, but yeah, I, I feel as if Sarah Snook is like, we're continuing to get to see her in little bits and pieces. And yes, I have seen the whole season as, as everyone knows, but, um, as the season goes on, she's really given more and more of an opportunity to, uh, put her acting display on on, her, her acting chops on full display. So I'll go her
1: good pick. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Mine is the wheelchair guy. The, the the little the kid that pushes the wheelchair. I mean, you know, he plays a crucial role here. He gets Logan from point A to point B. He's reliable. He's waiting in the lobby. He wears a little tuxedo, the little recney ball. And I think he's banging Marsha. Marsha makes that oh, little comment. Yes. I, I think he's in there. I think I think uh, he's satisfying Marsha in the ways that Logan can't. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so that's my pick is the wheelchair guy. Uh, shouts to wheelchair guy. Meant to get his name, but then didn't. So, uh, so shouts to you. If you listen to this podcast, I appreciate your performance. You were a very convincing, sister of the handicapped. It takes a strong
2: man to push Logan, Roy. That's for sure. Uh, so mine was going to be Jerry, but now that she's been, uh, nominated for most buckets, I don't want to demean her with a six man award here. Um, so I'm going to give it to Stewie. Um, he, he, he pushes the right buttons with Logan, Um, Logan may not remember it next time he sees him, but he, he, uh, definitely caters to the man who's actually in charge. And then, uh, in the background, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they're on the red carpet doing that little montage before the ball, um, he's with his date who, I I don't know, wife, girlfriend, uh, flavor of the week, but she's like six inches taller than him. And he's just like owning it. (laughs) he's just like, just like grabs her in a bear hug and, uh, and definitely owns it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then when he talks to Kendall at the table and he's just like, he's like, uh, I'm going to lose one of my one of my houses and you're buying the next one. (laughs) He's like, we're about to he's either about to blow a 40 billion dollar valuation. So if this hurts me, then it's on you, even though Stewie is the one who's like just taking advantage of the whole situation. Uh, But that kind of shows that they are still bros. He's you know, he's not afraid to still talk to Kendall after obviously disrespecting him in the, the boardroom.
1: I think that that's kind of par for the course when your boys with Stewie. Shouts to R.M. Moyad, who plays Stewie, uh, certainly a underrated performer in this show. Good picks, everyone. Now it's time for reciting Roman. Our best quote from our favorite man, child, and youngest, Roy. Brett, since you so eloquently interrupted me earlier, why don't you go ahead? Fuck off. Uh, uh, my quote from Rome for this episode, he
2: is always so good. Um so I'm going to go with what wasn't said uh, when he yawns in the middle of Logan's speech at the end and just throws <laughs> his head back onto the chair like a uh, imp- spoiled little brat that he is. And, and just, like
0: everyone uh, looks over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 He clearly he does like the loudest yawn of all time. Like in my the most, dad like, scolded me earlier
2: yeah. and he gave me Frank as a babysitter. I'm not even you, I'm not even paying attention.
1: It is a classic Roman line. Who you got, Barn, or what do you oh, got? Which line,
0: dude? I, Brett, I thought you were going there. Um, honestly, it made me a little nervous. By far, the funniest line of from Roman in the episode, maybe from Roman in the entire show up to this oh. point, is when he calls Shiv over, finding or having the picture um, of the dude's butthole sent to him. And she's basically like, You guys aren't going to really run that, are you? And he's like, Fuck yeah, we're going to run it. It's the kind of disgusting liberal Metro butt love that makes our viewership <laughs> angry enough to buy pharmaceuticals.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, that line's just
2: outrageous. Rome on point.
1: That's like, That is incredible. That's one of those lines that's so funny. You can't even really, like, Every part of it's funny. There's like yeah. three jokes in that one sentence, you know, and like and, and just such a commentary on everything that, yeah. I mean, he like what what literally blows my mind about Roman is the fact that he didn't succeed in movies and television because he seems to me to be like perfectly adept to that, right? Like, hey, put him in a writer's room, and let him come up with zingers for like characters you know or let him write a sociopath like just like hey uh yeah you know the, just you just you know kind of like tape record yourself and uh and then we'll you know make the show like and it'll have this one funny kind of crazy character <laughs> like yeah I mean, he to me it's it's bizarre that he didn't succeed probably just because he's like complete underachiever and like would never probably put a pen to paper ever but uh he, he is a, a really funny character so my pick is when logan brings back frank to troll roman and uh, afterwards, Roman is explaining the fact that that happened to Kendall, I think. And he's like, "He brought back Frank to babysit me. I don't need a babysitter, especially when I don't get to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, dude, oh, man, that just told, told us so much about the character. Like, that, that's just an amazing Roman line. That was my favorite reciting Roman quote from the episode
2: last but not least hold on hold on okay so when I stopped you earlier now I I gotta bring it back my favorite ensemble quote is the piss analysis scene
1: yeah Uh, there's like it's that's like to bring up Big Lebowski again that's like when they're talking about the piss on the rug and there's like three characters like piping in with incredible (laughs) lines and they all interrupt each other and like each part's super funny go ahead you sure it was him you think a lot of people come in here and take a piss maybe someone spilled something yeah, maybe the
0: uh, massive fucking ice sculpture I forgot about melted. It's urine. This isn't a false flag, is it? Did you piss on your own floor? Why are you looking like that? What What? What if people knew? Jerry, you got to talk to him.
2: What do you want me to say? Well, first tell him where to go pee-pee and poo-poo. He
0: came in. He was talking to Stewie. What's he
2: gonna do next? Start jizzing in my coffee? Take a dump on my iPad? Kendall, you think a lot of people come in here and take a piss? And then Frank pauses, like he's counting, like like he's actually thinking. Like, yeah, I'm sure some people are probably pissing you. Jerry. Maybe someone spilled something, Kendall. Yeah, maybe the massive fucking sculpture I forgot about melted. And then Roman, is this a is this a misdirect? Like, are you sure you didn't piss on here? <laughs> Yeah. It's a good scene.
1: Yeah. That is good. That, that is oh, all through. Oh, it's hilarious.
2: Probably funnier, probably funnier to hear them, uh, rather than me replaying it. But, uh, yeah. No, I liked
0: this- it. I liked to KCB and I, dude, you should have taken it a step farther. I think you brought it up earlier, but, um,
2: which is in the <laughs> coffee in the shit. Dump <laughs> on my
0: iPad. Yeah, yeah. It just, again, it, it demonstrates just the writing of the show. The, the dialogue, it's really quick. I mean, going back to what I said about Roman's quote and, and to Chief's point about how ridiculously funny and multi-layered that was, but um, the dialogue in the show, man, I mean, you almost have to watch episodes back again to even catch everything because you the one-liners are so good and they're, they're uttered so fast that it's pretty easy to miss stuff um, unless you view it you know multiple times
1: so and there's not a single line of dialogue that either is not like a joke or informs the characters so none, no dialogue wasted it's all very necessary and it's a, it's a really a master class in writing and unless y'all have anything else it's been another episode of In the can part of the Succession series episode four Sad Sack Wash Trap. I am here with KCB and Farmer Barn and this has been a great episode boys thanks for coming on as always we'll be back with episode five next week
0: I came in like the wrecking ball.
1: <laughs> yeah. Buy your ticket to the Reckney ball and uh, don't eat the lasagna. And if you do go to the Reckney ball, then get a cortisone shot. And, you know, uh, I'll all, some old I'll, ladies, <laughs> go home with some old lady and get, per- get everything bought for you for the rest of your life. And, uh, and don't fall into the death pit, my friends, because I think that could be the end of your career.
2: Boys. And- And if you've got HBO, obviously you've got a little bit of spending cash. So maybe think about lending a hand to stimulate free enterprise.
1: (laughs) And with Connor's platform, I bid you all farewell. Exciting things coming from the barn, especially in the way of succession. So stay tuned. Potentially some fun guests. Puck off. Puck off.
0: Puck off.